Welcome everyone. We're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, uh, BPJ number 10. That's the Bias Pnimi, uh, Shia number 10 for both men and women, the joint one. We're middle of discussing the four habits of joy-filled marriage. We're middle of habit number two, which is talking about listening for emotion. And last year we talked about six core negative emotions that are important to understand them, listen to them, validate them in a in a healthy way so that through that you can move forward you could share it in a healthy way and and deal with it in a healthy way um and enhancing shalom bias when there is a empathetic listening to one another in regarding to these emotions that take place from time to time and we started off talking about it's a acronym of sad twice s-a-d s-a-d we talked last year about sadness, a low energy emotion, um, that um, recognizing that in the relationship and the ways to validate that emotion, showing that you're sharing that burden with your spouse and trying to help them in any way possible to know that they're not alone. And then we talked about anxiety, which is a high level emotion. Uh, that causes a flight or fight or freeze response and fear and anxiety going hand in hand. And the same thing when you connect with people, you connect with your spouse, give each other support, validating each other, showing that you're not alone helps them feel connected and secure and gives them the courage to get the outside help that they may need. And, And that's an important thing to recognize also. Then we, we're going to talk now about the D, S-A-D, the first S-A-D, D, despair. Despair is also a low-level, low-energy emotion that sucks out the life of from your body, that you feel that you have no energy and you don't feel like doing anything, makes your arms and hands hang limp. When you look into the future, you see no hope um, of joy. You only feel despair. And it means that you do not have the time or resources to fix a problem that's stealing your joy. It's a certain despair, a certain hopelessness. And that is really a root of many uh, cases of depression. When one is depressed, behind that is a certain despair. And it can be hard to validate for some people because they want to give the other person some hope. And you want them to help fix things rather than simply be present and happy with them, even in their despair. So this is a real tricky thing in general. In the initial aspects of this despair, you first need to validate the person and make the person know that I understand as much as possible what you're going through. And then after doing that and sharing in that experience, then there's another stage afterwards where you could jump in at comforting them, giving them chizik, giving them advice, boosting them up. But before you do that, if you never did it before, is not to give advice yet, not to give them chizik yet even, but simply to be there and cry with them or say, I I see how you're feeling and I'm with you and I'm validating what you're feeling. It's going to be okay. And, but share that with them. And then you can move on from that to the next step of comforting them and, and trying to help build them up as much as possible. Then going through the other 
SAD, another three midas uh, uh, that seem negative, that you need to really work with each other on. And one of them is shame. Um, some people, shame is also a low, net level, low energy emotion. You feel like hanging your head because you don't expect anyone to be happy with you. Um, you f- blame yourself for a lot of things. Now, healthy shame, we talked about this a lot, this healthy shame is when you recognize that changes need to be made in your attitude and behavior and you want to work towards bettering yourself with that. That type of busha is healthy. It's one of those midas of Klal Yisrael that are by Shanim. That is a healthy shame. It talks about it. If a person wouldn't have busha at all, wouldn't have a healthy sense of shame, they would do a lot more avarice than they're doing now as shame holds back from a person from doing avarice. They're worried about what other people will think. And you could be cynical all you want about how that not being L'shem Shemayim, but ultimately the Chazal talk about it all the time and it's a very big deterrent you know, to hold back from bad behaviors. So healthy shame is a good thing. But what we're talking about here is the unhealthy shame, which is called toxic shame, that you actually believe you're a bad person and that your very presence is a source of shame. So when a person feels that bad about themselves, the first step is, of course, to validate them. And once you validate them, that helps them understand that I'm happy to be with you and I'm here for you, even when you don't expect it and even if you don't feel worthy. And you build them up that way. Anger is another mida that robs people of pain. It's a high energy emotion. It also triggers adrenaline, just like we said anxiety did and high fear does. Anger does that too. And sometimes anger is motivated by the desire to stop a certain pain or to establish justice. When you want to cause someone else pain, it's often because you felt wronged and you want them to feel the pain like you feel. That's the nikama aspect of it. It's hard to validate anger, especially if the anger is directly, directly directed at you. But it can also diffuse the situation. You know, I know you're angry at me because you feel betrayed, yeah, and you 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 feel that I put my my needs in ahead of your needs. But you need to un, you know, and first you say that. I understand that you're angry. Especially when you're dealing with a husband or a wife that generally is not angry. If they have an anger problem, you know, like a chronic anger problem, we really need to address that in different shiurim, which hopefully we will, Be'ezus Hashem. But in an, we're talking about now normal people that just occasionally get angry about things. Sometimes when there is anger, and this is very hard to do, when uh, one spouse is angry at the other expressing that anger, before reacting or becoming defensive or attacking back, if you realize that there's a source to it that makes sense, and a lot of times there is, there's a source to it that makes sense. There's a part of this anger that I understand why he or she is angry. So when you validate that anger, number one, it leads you to your own truth of what is going on. It'll show that you understand their feelings and very often it diffuses the anger itself. When your husband or wife is upset about something that you did and they're expressing their anger and you're on the receiving end of it and you realize that there's teichen to what they're saying. 
It's not just that they're stressed and in a bad mood and just slashing out about something that has no basis. Let's say there's something that has a basis. Or you say, okay, they may be overreacting right now, but there is a basis of what they had a right to be upset. So in those situations, and it's not easy at the moment, I admit it's not easy at the moment, but if you learn to calmly be empathetic and validate, I understand why you're upset, I misstepped, I made a mistake, and it makes sense that you felt uh, uh, embarrassed when I did this or whatever it is, I'll be more careful in the future. You do that right away with that validation. Very often that anger dissipates. And sometimes it's even reversed. After that anger dissipates and they express it, they'll even say afterwards, you know, I love you. You know, I just care and, and that's what, you know, because you're such a good person, that's why it hurt me more. And I know you love me. And so, Then there's a positive thing that comes afterwards. Another Mida that is to be recognized is disgust. Disgust means when you feel recoiled by a person or by a situation. It's a low energy emotion. It relates to the body's instinct to get rid of, for example, poison you may eat accidentally. The vomiting is expression of disgust by taking out what needs to be taken out. And one thing also, it's, it's a maturity, by the way, and I'm not taking it lightly. For people who are not used to it, when they change even the diapers of their own children, the dirty diapers and things like that, that you there's a maturity level to see that sometimes at one level you may be disgusted by the odor or whatever it is you're disgusted by, but nevertheless, in the back of your mind, you say to yourself, I'm happy to be with that baby and I'm doing what I need to do, and it's a sign of a love. And that is a validating aspect. It's okay to feel that disgust. But once you validate it, you actually elevate that. And then certain things that you know that you could elevate. And this is a very important point because no one is going to get a medal, but they really deserve a medal. If a child is not is not um, uh, feeling well, stomach virus, they throw up, and, and your wife is cleaning it up, and she's asking you for your help because it's not pleasant. And that's the last thing you want to do. And you do it anyway, which is a sign of maturity. And it goes both ways. The wife sometimes is very sensitive. She has a sensitive nature and she can't handle it. And very hard to handle. And she, just, she asks her husband to help her. But if she herself does it when he's not around and doesn't have a choice, it's a tremendous sign of maturity. But validating that it's hard is a healthy thing to do. So all of these things that we describe now are aspects of emotions that you need to listen to, to become an expert at listening for the emotions of your husband or your wife. And that's the first step of becoming an expert at keeping relationships bigger than your problems, that your marriage is bigger than any problem your marriage may have. When you listen for those emotions and you force your right brain relational side to become engaged to open up those relational circuits that we talked about last time, then you're not just focusing on the problem. The problems will get resolved and you'll focus on the problems too. That'll come later. But first you listen to those emotions, open up that relational aspects of the brain, which opens up to problem solutions. If you go straight to the left brain problem solving, you skip that 
and you don't listen to emotions, you'll get stuck in those problems. And when you shift from the problem-solving part of your brain, and it's, it, it becomes a very healthy thing. If you don't do that, and you only stick to the left brain aspect of problem-solving, you'll end up responding condescendingly, condescendingly to you. Let's say your wife has a problem. And then you'll realize that part of the reason why you're condescending is because you stopped listening too soon or maybe even addressed the wrong problem. So you need to first apologize sometimes if you lack that relational connection and change that by starting to listen to her emotions. And if you're totally non-relational and you're just solving a problem in a, in a, in a solving problem type of way, it takes away, it robs the couple of that. But instead, you first empathize with that emotion and the relationship of it. And then the problem solving comes as secondary and then it does have a great effect. So the key behind this is, is that of course, when a couple in marriage encounters a problem, of course they need to work on fixing the problem in a practical way. We're not denying that. That is true. But first, what needs to happen is a validation, a right brain activity of validation, of relating, which comes even before comforting, which is part of the making a problem smaller. You say, I'm going to comfort. First, you empathize. The right brain activity needs to precede the left brain activity. And we can learn to do that. So the first aspect of what this right brain aspect does is it validates it validates by accurately naming the emotion the other person is feeling, like what he just described, sadness or, or, or anxiety or whatever it may be, accurately identifying it. And for that, you need to be skilled at listening for emotions, which is what we're talking about in this shear and in the previous shear. And after the right brain validates and says, I see where you're coming from. I see how scary it could be. I'm here for you. I understand it. Then the left brain could put in and comfort the problem. Not yet problem solve, but comfort. Okay, it's going to be okay. We'll figure it out. And then after doing that, then you offer the specific strategies or the different perspective that will make the person's problem smaller more manageable. So comfort includes thinking of some things to appreciate, to be thankful for, even when you're in the midst of this negative emotion. So as you experience the process of validation, which is a right brain activity, and comforting, which is partially the left brain with the problem-solving activity, you create new patterns in yourself, which eventually become second nature to you. And you stop being afraid of these emotions. Your brain learns it could recover from any negative emotion that may have taken place. So when your brain learns this new problem, pattern rather, your life will change. Until your brain learns this new pattern of activating the right empathetic validation side of your brain in a relationship way first, before it does that, what it will do is you'll avoid people in situations that generate feelings that you don't know how to handle. A lot of, if you can't handle anger or you can't handle anxiety or depression or fear, 
part of life is to learn how to handle those emotions and not run away from them. Not to blow it out of proportion, of course, but not run away from them either. And the brain learns over time how it could return to joy through validation and through comfort. Then these emotions become less overwhelming. It's never pleasant when there's an expression of anger from one spouse to another. It's never pleasant. But when it does happen, or there's an extreme anxiety expressed, or, or an anger expressed, when you learn how to do this skill, then that becomes so much less scarier, so much less upsetting. Not to say it's not upsetting. It is upsetting, but less upsetting, a lot less upsetting when you know you have that ability to activate those skills of validation first. Because the people who skip that validation part of it and go straight to the left brain activity of comforting and then solving problems make often the situation worse. The fixers. It's good to be a fixer, but sometimes it's a negative thing to be a fixer. If you're more interested in fixing, quote-unquote, the problem, rather than listening to the emotion, you avoid the main purpose of marriage. Sometimes it could very likely be that a Kaddish Baruch who creates a problem, and part of the Nisayan of that problem is not just, okay, I'm giving you a problem, now fix it. Yes, fixing is part of it. That's true. But the point, the first nakuda of that problem is not to fix it, but to validate, to empathize, to be in the other person's shoes, to share it together in a healthy way, and then indeed fix it or work on fixing it. So they're both needed. You need the validation and you need the comfort and then the practical fixing problems. You need all of this. But the order of it has to come first with the validation relational aspect of it. It's a healthy thing. All your husbands, they are wives that have that practical aspect to them. It's a beautiful thing. They have the ability to fix problems and to make problems smaller and more manageable. That's all a beautiful mida. It's a beautiful mida to have and to do. But you need to first listen for the emotions, to validate the emotions. If you reverse the order and try to fix the problem first, then the person will feel like you don't care. Sorry, and now we're going to discuss the, 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 the exercises, which I'm going to make copies of. And here there's a lot of them. Um, and it's very, very important to practice. Now, he explains here that with practice, you can learn how to activate the right side of your brain, the relational circuits, to make the relationship bigger than the emotions, the relationship bigger than your pain, the relationship bigger than your problem. Your marriage is greater than the problems in your marriage. And a big part of training in that relational brain is to listen for emotions, which is called mind sight. Mind sight means the ability to read and interpret the other person's body language and their voice tone and their facial expressions. And when it's accurate, you learn how to see and understand the mind and heart of your husband or your wife. For example, when you say to your husband or wife, you know, you look tired. Do you need a rest now? Those simple words, by acknowledging and seeing their, uh, your spouse's tiredness, they feel seen, they feel understood. 
That's a skill. You're not just saying stamaza. You see the exhaustion on the face or the tiredness. And you say, you look very tired. You need a rest now. You need to take a break. That skill creates intimacy. That skill creates connection. That skill creates a much needed resilience in helping you process negative emotions. When mind sight is faulty, then, then, then it disrupts the ability to hear and see and understand your spouse. And one spouse may overact from a word or voice tone of behavior because it reminded you of something pain, painful from the past. If you don't know how to measure this properly, it creates more pain. And then heartache takes place afterwards. Now, sometimes you could use each other's help with this if you're not exactly uh, you know, uh, aligned. For example, you may not realize that the person's tired or exhausted, and you need to learn to understand what the mental, emotional, and verbal cues are to do that. So some of these exercises, you hold hands together when the Torah period, share things that made you happy that day, highlight some things that made you sad but not being overwhelmed by it, express the emotional content of what you said, and... um, Think about joyful memories and look at each other's eyes. Highlight, take turns in highlighting and validating the emotional content. Does have, let's say, for example, the husband share something of that day and the wife listening and sensing and validating the emotion behind it and then the other way around. Have the wife speak and the husband validate. Think about moments in the day when you felt peaceful and discuss it with one another and tell, ter- to tell uh, take turns telling each other stories and listening, learning, training with each other, actually, to listen to each other and to express to each other, to l- practice this validation. A lot of these ac- exercises is actually practicing this validation when you share your favorite activities, what you love, what you're afraid of, and you listen and you validate the other person. Even simple things like sharing food, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, these seemingly trivial things are not trivial at all. There's no shortage of opportunities. Like he writes here, page 87, which I'm going to um, make a copy for you. There's no shortage of opportunities to listen for emotions in your interactions with the one you love. God created us with emotions because simply we are made in God's image and God has emotions. Now, again, you know, he doesn't understand here that there's a level, the etzim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is beyond emotions. So this is not exactly accurate. Rather, Hashem created us as Nevram and we relate to him that way and Hashem wants us to relate that way. But that's a separate parsha. But the bottom line is it is extremely important. So I'm going to basically put put these exercises in. And remember, even though I don't talk about these exercises that much in the shear itself, these exercises, please make copies of them and keep them by you and really try to practice them. It takes unbelievable... It, it, this really, really is a life changer if you practice a lot of these exercises. You take turns remembering five or thing, or three or five things that were satisfying and fulfilling and some that were not, and you write it down, you share it with one another. 
and um, and that's and validating, comforting. Validating means I see you're bothered by this problem, and I see how it's upsetting for you. Comforting means I'm glad to be there for you. What can I do in this situation to be, what can we do to be more thankful about the situation? How can I alleviate the situation? And so on and so forth. So again, please do your best to try your best to work together on these, on these concepts of listening for emotions um, and uh, read, read them carefully. Try to practice them. There's nothing wrong with connecting the physical aspects sometimes to it when you're both tar, to hold each other with cuddling, resting together as you're doing this, also healthy, also good. And um, this is really a life changer, and, and it's, it's a key. This habit, habit number two, listen for emotions, is one of the most important aspects of, of enhancing marriages. Hatzlochem bracha.